listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. reading Leviticus 3 verses 1 through 11. You can follow along on the screen or you can open up the Bible found in your pew to page number 78. If the offering is a sacrifice of well-being, if you offer an animal of the herd, whether male or female, you you shall offer one without blemish before the Lord. You shall lay your hand on the head of the offering and slaughter it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall dash the blood against all sides of the altar. You shall offer from the sacrifice of well-being as an offering by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is around the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the appendage of the liver, which he shall remove with the kidneys." Then Aaron's son shall turn these into smoke on the altar with the burnt offering that is on the wood on the fire, as an offering by fire of pleasing odor to the Lord. If your offering for a sacrifice of well-being to the Lord is from the flock, male or female, you shall offer one without blemish. If you present a sheep as your offering, you shall bring it before the Lord and lay your hand on the head of the offering." It shall be slaughtered before the tent of meeting, and Aaron's sons shall dash its blood against all sides of the altar. You shall present its fat from the sacrifice of well-being as an offering by fire to the Lord, the whole broad tail, which shall be removed close to the backbone, the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is around the entrails the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the appendage of the liver, which you shall remove with the kidneys. Then the priest shall turn these into smoke on the altar as a food offering by fire to the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I apologize. (laughs) It's always good when people start laughing at the end. Oh, thank you for that reading, Alicia. So I'm just trying to gauge uh, from the looks of disgust on your faces who was here last week <laughs> um, and who is just really confused and lost right now. Um, as you probably noticed, we are in a brand new teaching series. It is going to take us through the summer, um, and we are going to be looking at the third book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. Everybody's favorite, right? Yay. Um, Leviticus is basically an ancient handbook for priests uh, in ancient Israel. Uh, It provides very detailed instructions for priestly duties and priestly functions uh, in the the tabernacle, the tent where they would worship, and then in the temple. Um, If the thought of studying Leviticus fills you with dread, uh, especially if you weren't here last week, I would highly recommend going back and listening uh, to our message from last week. I know we had some tech issues last week as well for the folks watching at home. Uh, Apologies for that. Hopefully things are working better today. Um, But you can always get the full audio of um, last week's message on our website at the teachings page and get caught up. Our main focus last week was on the three big questions of Leviticus, the three big picture questions this book is wrestling with. Does anyone remember 
Any of those who is here, you can just shout one of them out if you remember. Oh, crickets, that's the best. It's okay, it's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refresh your memory. Um, how do we relate to God? That's one of them. How do we relate to our neighbor, to others? And how does the act of worshiping together, how does this thing we do together of worship, how does this transform us? God, neighbors, and worship. It's a good idea as we move through this book this summer to keep these questions at the forefront because they're going to be a continuing theme. We're going to come back to these over and over again. Now, one thing we didn't cover last week is how exactly we're going to go through the book of Leviticus. Like, how are we going to divide this book up? We are not going to go verse by verse through Leviticus. You're welcome. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. When we, when we, when we go through a book of the Bible uh, together in church, usually we go a chapter at a time or a couple verses a week, um, but Leviticus is just way too long for that. That would take like a year and a half, and I care about you all way too much to submit you to that, so we are not going verse by verse. Uh, instead, we're going to be dropping in on Leviticus. We're going to kind of hover Um, about 20,000 feet, and then drop in to see what richness we can pull out, kind of part by part and section by section. And for the next two weeks, today and next week, we are going to be looking at the opening section of Leviticus, which is all about sacrifices. This book opens with seven chapters on animal sacrifices. You got a, a small taste of it just now when Alicia read our passage, and that's, that's just a sample. This goes on for seven chapters. And I know when it comes to these sacrifices, to animal sacrifices, we probably have a lot of questions, right? Like, why? Why did they do this? Why all the blood? Why are they doing this to animals? Those are good questions, the why questions, but we are going to get into those next week. I need you to table those for a week because there's kids in here, right? So we are going to spare the, the gory details. Parents, don't worry. We're not going to scar your children. Um, we're going to hold off on the why questions. I need to hold those questions for next week. We're going to get there. For today, though, I want to talk about the what questions the what of sacrifice. What was the significance of these sacrifices? What were they doing? What were they trying to achieve our ancient ancestors in the faith with these sacrifices? Does that sound like a plan for the next two weeks, today and next week, the what and then the why? We good with that? Awesome. Let's dive in. Let's talk about sacrifices. Hopefully the kids have some distractions. We'll see. It'll be fine. All right, so the book of Leviticus opens by telling us about five different sacrifices. And by the way, you don't have to take notes on this. There's not going to be a test or anything. I just think it's good to have a broad view as we get started. Um, But there are five sacrifices described in the opening chapters of Leviticus. The Ola, the Minha, the Shelamim, the Hatat, and the Asham. Say that five times fast, huh? The Ola, the Minha, Shelamim, Hatat, and Asham. Um, In English, which is a little bit easier for us, in our English Bibles, they are called the burnt offering, the grain offering, the fellowship offering, the sin offering, and the guilt 
offering. Those are the five sacrifices you'll read about in Leviticus 1 through 7. Now, if we take these five sacrifices, we can actually split them into two groups. The first three are thanksgiving offerings. They're way of saying thank you to God. And the last two are purification offerings. They're ways of saying, I'm sorry. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Let's start on a more positive note with the Thanksgiving offerings and talk about these for a minute. There are three Thanksgiving offerings. Does anyone want to try to say these? Anyone want to try to pronounce them? Yell them out. Ola, Minha, and Shelamim. Excellent. Very good pronunciation. Um, The third one, the fellowship offering, is also called the peace offering. And you can actually see the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, in the name. Shalomim. Shalomim. You see that? Yeah, see, you guys know Hebrew. You know this stuff. Um, But all three of these sacrifices are different ways of expressing gratitude, of saying thank you to God. The first one, the burnt offering, was always an animal. Uh, If you were a shepherd or if you worked with cattle, maybe you were like a dairy farmer or something like that. Do they have cowboys in ancient Israel? I don't know. If you worked with animals, you would bring a burnt offering where you would select an animal from your herd or your flock. You'd bring it to the temple and you would offer that as an offering to God. That's the burnt offering. If you were a farmer who, like, maybe you didn't have as many animals to draw from, um, but you grew a lot of stuff, then you would do a grain offering, where you take some grain from your harvest, or maybe a little bit of finely ground flour, you take that to the temple or the tabernacle, and you offer it to God. And then if you didn't have a particular reason for one of these first two offerings, if there wasn't, like, an occasion that you needed to say thank you for, you just wanted to party... If you just wanted to go to be part of the festivities, then you could take just about any animal from your herd or your flock, and you could offer it as a fellowship offering, a peace offering, where you head to the temple and you join in the feast. Because, oh yeah, they ate most of these animals. This was food. This was a meal. When you offered a sacrifice, part of the animal would be burned on the altar. That was like God's part of the meal. And then part of the rest was um, saved for the priests, but then the rest was food for everyone because worship in ancient Israel was a party. It was a banquet, a feast, a meal between worshipers. All these people who would come to the temple to celebrate, express their praise to God, and share a meal. Today we call that a potluck, right? Think potluck, and that's kind of the equivalent of what they were doing. Um, One thing you're going to notice if you actually read through the first few chapters of Leviticus is that whenever it's an animal sacrifice, you get this kind of scale of animals. There's different animals you can offer depending on your means, which is interesting. If you have a bull to offer, then you would offer a bull. If you can't afford a bull but you've got a sheep or a goat, you would bring that. And if you're poor, if you have nothing, well, then you could catch a bird. Just about anyone could get their hands on a bird. Bring that to the temple, offer that, and join in the feast because everybody got a seat at this party. That's the idea. Rich or poor, bird or bull, everyone was invited. 
This actually brings up another really interesting point to think about. Remember the context here. We talked about this last week. The Israelites have just escaped slavery in Egypt. This is a nation of recently freed slaves. And yet already, there's some people who have bulls, some people who have goats, and some people who have nothing. It's kind of a really sad statement about human nature. Our tendency toward inequality that we just can't shake. Leviticus accounts for that, and it makes sure that there's room at the table for everyone, which I think is kind of cool. Another thing that's good to know about the Thanksgiving offerings, all of these offerings are voluntary. These first three offerings are voluntary. The Israelites never are commanded to give these. These offerings, these gifts, are brought by people out of their own free will as an expression of joy, praise, and gratitude, thankfulness. Now, what would a nation of recently freed slaves have to be thankful for? Their freedom. Do you, do you get it? Do you see what's kind of happening here? The book of Leviticus, this centerpiece of the Old Testament law, this boring, dry manual for priests, doesn't open with a bunch of commands. Doesn't open with a bunch of thou shalt nots, a list of who's in and who's out. It doesn't open with condemnation. The book of Leviticus begins with three chapters of unmediated praise and gratitude, thankfulness. Are you overflowing with joy? Do you have so much thankfulness welled up inside you that you need a release or it is just going to burst? Are you looking to party? Here are three different ways you can do that. The Ola, the Minha, and the Shelamim. That's like a crash course in the Thanksgiving offerings. How are we doing so far? Are we tracking with this? Are we good? How are the kids? Are they, are they distracted? <laughs> Before we go to sin offerings, yeah. let's, let's, let's do that next. Let's, let's talk about the other two offerings, the purification offerings. Again, 20,000 feet view. The Hatat and the Asham. The Hatat, which we call the sin offering, um, that's for when you take a waffle out of the toaster too soon and it's Hatat, right? You gotta, no, maybe? No, that's not what it's for. That was a bad joke, dad joke. The sin offering, the hatat, is a way of being purified when you've sinned against God, when you've offended God. You offer the hatat to set things right. And then the asham, the guilt offering, is a way of being purified, of setting things right when you've sinned against a neighbor. How you relate to God and how you relate to neighbor. See that? And spoiler alert, they're the same offering. Like all the steps, all the ritual, what you do, what is offered, it's exactly the same whether you've offended God or your neighbor. Because we talked about this last week, the way you relate to your neighbor is connected to the way you relate to God. You don't get one without the other. They're the same offering. In fact, there's just one difference between these two offerings. At the very beginning of the asham, the guilt offering, if you've offended a neighbor, there's an extra step where you have to set things right with your neighbor. You have to make 
restitution. Then you take your animal, you go to the temple, and you join in the party. What a novel idea. I think I remember Jesus saying something about how, like, if you're at the temple to offer a sacrifice, and you remember that you've got something against your neighbor, does anyone remember that, that story, that teaching? What does he say to do? You, you leave your sacrifice there, and you go be made right with your neighbor. Jesus got that from Leviticus. Kind of cool. Let's make this real, though, talking about purification offerings. Let's talk about today. <clears throat> Has anyone here ever screwed up, like really made a mess of things? You don't actually have to raise your hand. I'm sorry. I've, I've done it. I'm raising my hand. Um, have you ever, like, wronged someone, and you had no clue how to make things right? You just carried that guilt and shame with you. Or how about this? Have you ever had someone hold a grudge against you? Maybe it's like a friend, and all of a sudden you notice, like, they start acting different around you, and you don't even know what's going on. It's, did I, did I do something wrong? Did I offend them? Are they still mad about that thing from two years ago that's happened to us? How many of us relate to God in this way? How many of us, it's like, is God angry with me? Did I offend God? Is God mad? Did I do something wrong? Am I really saved? There's a connection here. Imagine if we had a ritual, like a publicly recognized demonstration where you could give up something of value to you, something that cost you something. You'd hand that over as a public act of repentance, knowing that once you did that, you are good. You're good with God, you're good with your neighbor, and any residual anger, bitterness that your neighbor's still hanging on to, that's between them and God. You are clean. Could you imagine if we had something like that today, Like like a recognized process, how much better off we'd be as a society? How much healthier our relationships and our communities would be? This book, the book of Leviticus, it often seems barbaric and backwards to us. And hey, I'm pretty glad we don't kill goats in church anymore too. I'm allergic, so that would just be a nightmare. Um, But in some ways, the ancient Israelites were way ahead of us. There are ideas in this book that we are still trying to catch up to today. Thank you, and I'm sorry. That's what these offerings, that's what the sacrifices are about. That's how they function. That's the what. That's the role of the sacrificial system in ancient Israel. Which, can I actually point out real quick how different this is from how we usually think about sacrifices? Like, I don't know about you, but I know the way I learned it in church as a kid, the the reason of sacrifices, the whole point was that you're garbage. You're broken. There's something wrong with you. You are messed up. God is angry with you. You deserve to die. And so you take a goat or a lamb or a cow and you offer that in your place. God takes God's anger out on that innocent animal instead of you. That's how I was taught to think about sacrifices. 
That's how a lot of Christians still think about Jesus and what happens on the cross. It's like God is on a warpath looking for blood. So Jesus steps in and takes the beating. That's a terrifying picture of God. I don't know about you. That's not how the sacrifices worked in ancient Israel. Sacrifices aren't about purging God's wrath. They are about purifying the offerer, cleansing the person so they can stand before God without fear. Do you see that difference? That's a really important distinction, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more next week with the why. But for now, that distinction, you're not purging God's wrath. You are purifying yourself when you offer a sacrifice. Praise and purification. Thank you, and I'm sorry. In your bulletins, uh, you should find a card. Everyone should have one in there. We've got extras at the Connection Center if you need one. By the way, these cards were made by Joni Martin, and she actually hand-colored a lot of these. Can we hear it for Joni? Because she's amazing. And these cards are awesome. But um, half the cards say, I'm sorry, and half of them say, thank you. So you got one at random. And again, we have extras at the Connection Center. So like if you got a thank you, and you know deep down you really need an I'm sorry, you can stop at the Connection Center before you leave, and you can switch them out. But I want to invite you sometime this week to do a little self-inventory. Maybe read through the first few chapters of Leviticus, if you can take it. Pull out this card and reflect on where you're at in your relationship with God and your neighbor. Are you overflowing with joy? Do you have so much gratitude welled up that you need to express? Are you looking for a way to say thank you? Maybe it's to a neighbor or to a friend or to God. If that's you, then I want to encourage you to take one of the thank you cards, write it, write it out, and give it to someone in your life. Or maybe you've messed up. Maybe you wronged someone and you know it. Maybe there's something wrong, you're not even quite sure what it is, but you've got a sense that maybe I need to say sorry. If that's the case, I want to invite you to take one of these I'm sorry cards, fill it out this week, and give it to someone in your life. Or you can mail it if that's less awkward. Probably mail it. (laughs) But whatever you need, whatever you need. Thank you, and I'm sorry. And oh yeah, one other thing. If, um, if you want to give one of these cards to God, like I told the kids, God already knows what you wrote on them, right? Same message for you all. So what you could do with this, I'd recommend filling out one of these cards as a sort of prayer. Express your thanks or your repentance to God, and then stick the card somewhere where you're going to return to it frequently. Maybe put it on your dresser or your nightstand Put it in your purse or your Bible, somewhere where you're going to be reminded of what you're thankful for or of the fact that you and God are good. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for being a God who encounters us, 
who meets us where we're at, who comes to us as we are and invites relationship. Thank you for all the amazing gifts you've given us, God, for filling us with joy and gratitude, for liberating us from sin and death and all that enslaves us. Thank you for the gift of your son, Lord, for purifying us, for making us new. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.